Can we all just agree here that there's no reason that the New Orleans Saints should have Jimmy Graham inactive for the rest of the season? We got all of that and a little bit of land yap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Big thank you to all the everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow always for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, you can become a Locked on Saints insider today by simply texting HUDAT to 504-285-7473. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, Saints News Network, Tuesdays on the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app into the promo code Locked on NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to take an early look over at the New York Giants since we got to see them in action just last night on Monday night. Is Tommy DeVito going to be a big problem for the New Orleans Saints defense? I'll tell you why the team should be concerned. Uh, We're also going to be taking a look over at the Saints, setting the tone early in the run game against the Carolina Panthers and how important that will be moving forward. And to kick us all off, I want to start off with Jimmy Graham here because let's just lay it out the way that it needs to be laid out. There was no reason, no good reason for Jimmy Graham, it feels like, to be inactive for the four games that he was inactive for earlier on this season. And there's absolutely no good excuse at this point, barring any injury, health, anything like that, for Jimmy Graham to be inactive for the remainder of the season. Jimmy Graham needs to be active. Jimmy Graham needs to be targeted more. And Jimmy Graham needs to be the New Orleans Saints go-to player in the red zone. I'm going to give you an example of how important Jimmy Graham can be for the New Orleans Saints in the red zone. That goes beyond the fact that he's got, what, four catches for three touchdowns on just five targets so far this season. The guy's been targeted five times this season. 149 snaps played so far. Seven games to open the season, inactive for a few, and then uh, active for the past two. 149 snaps, five targets, four catches, three touchdowns. Not only is that why he should be active, but in the red zone as a decoy, he can still be effective. Let me take you to a different team, a different player to give you a better illustration of all this or or another illustration of all this, because there's no illustration of the Saints doing this so far this season. When we've seen Jimmy Graham in the red zone, it's oftentimes been used as a blocker earlier on in the season outside of the Green Bay touchdown or the touchdown that he scored in Green Bay, rather. He mostly was utilized as a blocker, and we saw that, right? It was over 70%. We did our deep dive on it over 70% of the time that Jimmy Graham was in the red zone or out on the field in the red zone. The Saints ran at about 60 plus percent of the time that they ran with Jimmy Graham on the field. They were running away from Jimmy Graham. It was a tell more than anything else. So could Jimmy Graham become a tell if he's utilized in the red zone as a big body pass catcher? First of all, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what your name is for all of my my back in the day WWE fans. Um, But it, it doesn't matter, right? Jimmy Graham is six foot seven. 
He's tall. He can still jump. Might not have the same vertical that he used to have, but he can still dunk. So you go ahead and put it up for him at the crossbar. Let him go and do his thing. He can still get it done. You saw that last week against the Char uh, against the uh, <laughs> the Charlotte Panthers, which really should be their name, by the way. But anyway, I digress. The Carolina Panthers. So let me just use another example here. If you watched Monday Night Football, if you didn't, no big deal. But if you did catch it, then you saw a couple of things with the Miami Dolphins dealing with the injury of Tyreek Hill. Ross, why are you talking about the Dolphins? Don't worry. I promise it all ties in. If you didn't watch the game, Tyreek Hill dealt with an injury and then you know was basically out for a, a lengthy portion of the first half. They came back in the second half after evaluating him over the course of halftime. Didn't rush him back out there, but eventually got him back out there. And then the first couple of times that he was out there, what happened was that they put him out. They had him run his routes the way that they would usually have him run his routes. He's dealing with a, an ankle or, or, or some type of lower leg injury that he was dealing with at the time. So you don't want to overload his workload or anything like that. But there's still value of having Tyreek Hill out on the field. They get Tyreek out over the, uh, on the field. One of the first things that they do, they have him run downfield. They run a corner route or an underneath route right underneath that. And then they end up hitting their other receiver, or excuse me, they have, uh, it was Cedric Wilson actually run down the sideline. And then they have Tyreek Hill kind of run this out route underneath Cedric Wilson. Sorry, I, I went the wrong way there. But then, you know, once they have a situation here to where Tyreek Hill breaks underneath, what happens, this safety or this corner, this defensive back that's supposed to be taking the deep route down the right sideline ends up kind of pulling up because, oh no, that's Tyreek Hill. I can't let him catch that pass. And then when that happens, Tua is able to go over the top to the receiver. Now the receiver let up a little bit more than he should have, wasn't able to get up under the ball, things like that. But you could see the impact of simply having Tyreek Hill run an underneath route and how that ends up impacting the defense. If you're a defense that is now looking and game planning for the New Orleans Saints, let's say the New York Giants, for instance, you're game planning for Jimmy Graham to be a part of what the New Orleans Saints are doing in the red zone because in the past two weeks, he's got three catches, two touchdowns in the red zone, all in the red zone. And that's basically where the Saints have utilized him for the most part. So now you use that to your advantage. Dennis Allen talks all the time about punches and counter punches. So basically building tendencies and having tendency breakers. So now if you have a situation to where you go in there, you're in the red zone, Jimmy Graham's out there, have Jimmy Graham run the route from the inside that ends up pulling attention from over the top. And then maybe you sail another receiver over the top or you have a, a running back from out of the backfield or you attack a zone that you're trying to evacuate or that you're trying to vacate the defense by having Jimmy Graham clear that zone first and then having the running back maybe on an angle route come in right behind him or something like that. Like there's lots of different ways to do this. I'm kind of jumbling a bunch of like route terms together and things like that. But you get what I'm saying. If you have the impact of a Jimmy Graham already established as a red zone threat, which was supposed to be his role from the very beginning of the season, and it's working, defenses are going to be paying attention to that. So now you have the opportunity to utilize Jimmy Graham not only as a weapon in the red zone, but even as a decoy for your other weapons in the red zone. Imagine taking Jimmy Graham, for instance, having him let's say from the, the five yard line, right? We're talking deep in the red zone there, right? You're talking money zone at that point. If you have Jimmy Graham coming out of the slot or in line and he's clearing the middle of the field by running a drag or, 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 or a slant of some sort or something like that. And then right behind that, you have Chris Olave go and follow him into that zone or Alvin Kamara from out of the backfield running an angle route, follows him into that zone. You get that pump to... Jimmy Graham, and then boom, you're dumping off to where the, the zone is very likely vacated. And if the zone's not vacated, that means you've got Jimmy Graham one-on-one, -on -one, put it up top for Jimmy Graham and let him do his business. 
keep Jimmy Graham on the field. There's just no excuse for this anymore, right? Like we've asked Dennis Allen over the course of, I asked him after the game. Now that you have seen what Jimmy Graham has been able to do, there's hindsight, all these other things. I get it. But like, how do you assess the decision to have Jimmy Graham inactive for those handful of games or so, or just less than, just barely less than a handful, but you know, the, the handful of games or so that he was inactive and we're told, well, you know, let's focus on what we're doing moving forward. So if that's the case, there's no excuse. Like if you understand what you need to be doing moving forward with Jimmy, then Jimmy needs to be out on the field and he needs to be that red zone presence, whether it's as a decoy that's opening up opportunities for other guys or as the go-to in that one-on-one -on -one or shoot. I mean, if you get him in the right situation, you, you could go to him double teamed if you needed to, and then just put it up top for him to be able to go and get it. There is no reason why Jimmy Graham should not be active and available and utilized and getting snaps and getting opportunities, especially in the red zone here as the New Orleans Saints are in nothing but must win territory throughout the rest of the season. You got to score. You got to score points. And if you got to do it in the red zone, he can help you do it in the red zone or open up opportunities for other guys to get it done. Coming up next. Another thing that the New Orleans Saints need to do over the course of the next four games is establish themselves in the run game early. The Saints set a tone with their rush, with their rushing attack early on against the Carolina Panthers. We'll discuss how and how they can continue to do it, why it's important against the New York Giants. we got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the one and only place that I go to purchase tickets. Looking at a concert, just keeping my eyes on it for right now. Not ain't got to buy it because it ain't until after the football season anyway. Might pick them up a little bit early. It's the holiday season after all. Maybe want to get something to be able to hand over to somebody as a gift and all those other things. But really, like Game Time, you can go and buy tickets for something that's next week something that's tomorrow, something that's later today, something that started up to an hour ago, and you're going to save on average, on average, game time users save 18% on their tickets. That is awesome. Plus, you get to see the view from your seat before you buy them so that you know what you're getting into, and it helps you take all the guesswork out of buying tickets. You could do that today with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use that promo code Locked on NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out that Locked on Sports Today 24-7 stream over on YouTube as well. Subscribe today. Be a part of history, the nation, the first ever national 24-7 uh, YouTube sports stream. Go and check it out today over at Locked on Sports Today. All right, so uh, I want to look now at how the New Orleans Saints set the tone against the Carolina Panthers with the run game, and they did it right off the bat. They did exactly what they needed to do in the run game, and it not only did it benefit their run game early, but it set up those couple of big passing plays that happen later. Now, it's very clear whether the Saints want to admit it or not that the passing game was hampered throughout this game very likely with Derek Carr dealing with everything from coming off concussion protocol a week before the the recurrence of the shoulder injury I'm sure has some type of a, an impact and then also what he told us after the game three three rib cartilage fractures uh, two of which he experienced earlier on in the season that I guess nobody knew about. And then this one most recently that was actually shared by Ian Rappaport uh, over in his game day um, 
sort of a video or, or, or a game day content to, to, to get you ready. Report, that's where it was for, to get you ready for, for that Sunday game. But in any case, because of how hampered they were in the passing game, which was evident, right? Like this is no, I'm not trying to throw shade anywhere or anything like that, but like behind the line, of, you know, one yard behind the line of scrimmage, two yards behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, three yards down the line. And then, you know, a, a deep ball to Chris Olave down the right sideline and then at the line of scrimmage, two yards downfield, two yards behind the line of scrimmage, three yards behind the line of scrimmage, all that stuff. And then 44 yards down the field, A.T. Berry, and then, you know, five, six yards, you know, things like that. So like you saw what the passing game was in the game. It was very, very tight to the line of scrimmage, nothing in the sh- in the intermediate area, and then a bunch, and then a couple of downfield shots, not a bunch of downfield shots, a couple of well-timed, in my opinion, uh, downfield shots. That's been the New Orleans Saints offense so far, the quote-unquote explosive offense, according to Dennis Allen, where a team that has like amongst, the, they sit in the 20s in explosive plays so far this year. It's not your identity, y'all. You got to figure it out. Your identity is your run game. Your identity is Alvin Kamara. And I thought that the New Orleans Saints over on the offensive side proved that early on in this game by punching Carolina in the throat right away. And that's exactly what they needed to do. They needed to do that early on in this game. And they did it not only with Alvin Kamara, but they did it with Jamal Williams as well. If you look at early on in the game, just looking at the first drive, first drive, our first play, eight yard rush. The thing that I loved about this eight yard rush, Lynn Bowden starts from out on the out in the perimeter, motions into the backfield, gets back to his natural running back kind of setup. The Saints come out of the I formation with Lynn Bowden as a lead blocker. Eric McCoy, excuse me, not Eric McCoy, uh, Cesar Reese clearing some guys out in the second level, things like that. The Saints pick up eight yards on the run on the first, first and 10 of the game. That sets a tone. They reset that line of scrimmage by about two yards downfield which means Alvin Kamara didn't even cross the new line of scrimmage or didn't even cross the bulk of where he might be contacted until he had already gained two yards. That's what you need in your run game. The next play throw uh, was uh, four yards downfield, uh, picked up three. Uh, Next play throw was at the line of scrimmage, picked up one. Next play, so now you're into second and nine territory. Eight yard run by Alvin Kamara, same thing. This time, instead of it being Lynn Bowden uh, motioning into the backfield, what you get out of this one is this great uh, split zone block, the split zone action. So you see Lynn Bowden kind of lined up a little bit in line, kind of tight to the formation on the left side. Um, the Saints leave a blocker or leave an edge rusher to be blocked by uh, by Foster Morrow. When Foster Morrow engages with him, Lynn Bowden comes across the formation, gets a lick on that on that rusher as well, turns, you know, uh, and then and then that frees up Foster Morrow to be able to move upfield and, and continue to block. They pick up another eight yards on this one by resetting the line of scrimmage yet again. The ball is snapped from, in this play, the, what is this, the 36-yard line. Alvin Kamara doesn't pass a defender until he crosses the, doesn't, doesn't pass an offensive lineman, rather, until he crosses the 38 yard line. So again, it's the same thing. You're resetting the line of scrimmage. The Saints did this over and over and over again. Jamal Williams comes in, six yard rush right up the middle, right up the gut. Same thing. Um, you know, this time it's uh it's Eric McCoy snapping and pulling around, things like that. Like it the Saints did what they needed to do. And they did it a lot with the man in gap blocking scheme, which is what has worked for them so far. I mean, you look at success rates across the NFL so far or, or for this team so far. They are about 10% in terms of a division between where they have been most successful, which is in the man or, or, or gap scheme versus in the zone blocking scheme. And some of that I had expected early on came from the fact that they were so successful running 
with Taysom Hill. When you're running with Taysom Hill, it's usually cap on cap, right? It's it, it's gap scheme, it's man scheme, all that other stuff. Uh, but then when you're running with Alvin Kamara, it's usually kind of the zone, get him outside kind of stuff. Saints didn't have Taysom Hill in this game, but they did not stray away from manning up and 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 being better than the defensive line that was in front of them. And I thought that that's where the New Orleans Saints offensive line did perform well. I thought they were not very good in pass protection yet again, uh, but great, great stuff in the run game. So then how did that set up some of the deeper shots later on in the game? Well, a big part of it is that it forced the Carolina Panthers to start stacking the box eventually. And so once they ended up getting to the point where they had to stack the box, then the Saints started being able to take some shots uh, when those shots were appropriate. So when you look at the big A.T. Perry play, right, the 44-yard catch that was downfield, the Carolina Panthers start that drive or start that play on this first and 10 from the New Orleans 36 with five players in the defensive line and three players at the second level. So that's an eight-man box at that point. The Saints run the play action that pulls the linebackers down. It affects the safety a bit too, because that safety ends up kind of creeping down as opposed to getting the full drop back depth that he needs. And then by the time that he ends up seeing that Derek Carr has come up with the ball, boom, A.T. Perry's flying. He is gone, gone. And so you get that pass out there. Uh, A.T. kind of has to make a little bit of an adjustment to it, gets the dive, gets the catch. Massive, massive. And so that's the way that it ends up setting you up for success even if that success doesn't remain strictly based on the run game. Set up the run game early. And I think that the Saints, again, got away from the run game too early. Not in, not later on in the game. They got away from the run game too early when it came to that first drive. They got all the way down to the red zone, then they went incomplete, 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 and then they had to try a field goal, which didn't go so great. So that's that's another example of the Saints forgetting what got them there, right? Forgetting what they were being successful in. We're talking about this entirely different, this game, if they're able to walk away with A, points, but B, more specifically, a touchdown on that opening drive. And one of the reasons why they didn't do it is because they got away from the run game too early once they got to the red zone. And of course, helps to target Jimmy Graham in the red zone. So these are the things that you want to see them continue to build upon, right? Like the Saints, they lose that game to other teams, right? Like the offensive output was bad, all these other things in terms of yardage and stuff like that. They might lose that game if they play that same game next week against the New York Giants. But if they build off of the foundational things, establishing the run game early, setting the tone early, getting Jimmy Graham involved, getting your playmakers involved, and then being able to benefit off of the impact of the run game early on, later on in the game by setting up some of those tendencies that you can break, play action, things like that, there's the value in being able to get better over the course of the next four games and potentially be a hot team going into the playoffs. A lot to ask. Based upon what we've seen so far, we've seen nothing but inconsistency from this team in terms of ability to string together success. And over a prolonged period of time for the past two seasons, if the Saints want to be a playoff team, they've got to find a way to be exactly that, to do the thing that they haven't done before, string together success over a prolonged number of games right here, right now, as they try to make their push to the postseason. These are some of the ingredients that can get them there. Coming up next, as we wrap up today's show, Tommy DeVito, the New York Giants quarterback. Make no mistake about it. Yes, he's a backup. Yes, he's an undrafted free agent. All that. He will be a problem for the New Orleans Saints, but the Saints might have their secret weapon ready by the time that he gets here. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is my absolute favorite, man. My absolute favorite. Used it last night. Got bowls and rolls delivered here to the house because I, I it was cold. I wanted something warm. I'm not a very good uh, cook when it comes to soups. Soups aren't really my thing. I'm bad at flavor with soups. I'm good at flavor with everything else. Bad at flavor with soups. So I said, you know what? Jumping on a DoorDash. Going to holler at my, my, my partners over here at DoorDash and then get some, uh, some something delivered that was going to help. Warmed me up, went to Bowls and Rolls, got some fud delivered. It was delicious. And in fact, I got leftovers that I cannot stop thinking about. So let me tell you how you can go ahead and experience the happiness that I'm experiencing right now. You can head over to DoorDash right now uh, and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. All you have to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and use that promo code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Let's get it. Who that Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Taking a look at an early, early look at... Next week's game between the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants, starting quarterback for the New York Giants after losing Daniel Jones for the season, Tommy DeVito, is going to be a problem for the New Orleans Saints defense. Let's discuss why and what the New Orleans Saints can do about it with their secret weapon waiting in the wings. So for me, when I look at Tommy DeVito, what are the reasons that he is a player that will cause the New Orleans Saints some issues? Couple of things. First of all, mobility, right? That's got to be right off the top. When it comes to Tommy DeVito, Daniel Jones has mobility as well. I would have said the same thing about him, but there's just something about that sort of ability for Tommy DeVito that just feels like it leaps off the page a little bit more, maybe a little bit less tripping over himself like we saw, like we've seen from Daniel Jones over the course of his career. But Tommy DeVito absolutely has that escapability, that ability to extend plays, that mobility to just be annoying and to get on a defense's mind or to get on a defensive nerves and get into a defense's heads, right? Because you don't want to be that team that's always a step back, defending 11, all these other things when the quarterback is able to do that. And the Saints have been that more times than not when they've had to deal with the mobile quarterbacks. The other thing that I look at is that there's not a lot of tape on this guy. He's on a three-game win streak. However, he's got four games to his name. You can kind of watch back at what the Dallas Cowboys defense did in his first real action uh, in that game. Cowboys defense is really good. They kind of kept him at bay. He's the, 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 they're his one loss so far. He's went on to beat all three teams that we've seen him go up against, including the Green Bay Packers last night. But if you watch that Monday night football game between the Giants and the Packers, you can see just how insistently annoying this guy can be. And they have rallied around him. And we see New York Giants fans, they travel. They travel really, really well. And in fact, because the Giants are one of those sort of nationwide teams like the Cowboys, like the 49ers, like the Steelers, um, you know, like others, you've already got a lot of New York Giants fans wherever they're playing, right? Like they already exist and it's a short drive for others and all these other things. So I, I've already heard about people who have sold their tickets as New Orleans Saints fans for more than face value for this game. That very likely means that they sold their tickets to somebody from New York coming into town or a New York Giants fan that wants to see their um that wants to see their favorite team play. So with that, 
It's going to be very interesting to see because not only have the New York Giants and not only has the New York Giants roster rallied around Tommy DeVito, the fan base has rallied around Tommy DeVito. You can see the little, like the stereotypical Italian hands and all these other things that you can see all over the place, all over the stadium at MetLife, uh, all over the locker room after the big win, all those things. Like all that stuff travels, all that stuff travels. And so there's a lot of opportunity for Tommy DeVito to be annoying as a runner, to be pinpoint as a passer. Because he seems to have settled into that system really well. Him and Jalen Hyatt, the, the big wide receiver out of Tennessee, they've got a really nice connection. The Saints are going to have to deal with Saquon Barkley, a top tier running back against a bottom tier run defense so far for the New Orleans Saints or bottom third uh, run defense for the New Orleans Saints. This is not a great matchup for New Orleans. This is not a gimme by any means. I've seen people call this New York Giants game a potential trap game. That ain't no trap game, y'all. Like That's a game that the New Orleans Saints might lose might win, right? Might lose, can win, like that kind of situation. This ain't no trap game because you shouldn't be sleeping on these guys just because of the backup quarterback. Remember Tyson Bajan earlier on in the season, how much trouble the backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears behind Justin Fields gave the New Orleans Saints all throughout that game, but particularly early him in the connection with Cole Komet. Speaking of his connection with Cole Komet, we've seen the New Orleans Saints struggle against tight ends. Carolina ain't got no tight ends. Everything worked out fine there. But you look at TJ Hawkinson, you look at, um, you look at, uh, uh, um, Sam Laporta for the Lions. Look at Cole Komet. The tight ends have been given, Luke Musgraves earlier in the season, have been giving the New Orleans Saints some trouble. Well, the New York Giants are expected to get Darren Waller back just in time for the New Orleans Saints game. Stop me if you've heard this one before, right? So you've got the quarterback that's a rookie, that's mobile, that doesn't have a lot of tape out there on him, that's found a lot of success that the team and that the fan base and that the coaching staff are all rallying around. And now he gets his big target tight end back, a guy that used to work with Derek Carr as well. So these two guys, both in new destinations, trying to show that they're better off than they were when they were with the Raiders, all these other things. There's a lot of motivation here for the New York Giants to be pesky and for uh, Tommy DeVito to cause some real issues for the New Orleans Saints. The good news for New Orleans is that over on the defensive side, the New York Giants don't pose much of a threat outside of their defensive interior, which is a big deal. So you're going to want to watch out for Dexter Lawrence. You're going to want to watch out for the interior of the New Orleans Saints offensive line, which has been uh, up and down, particularly in pass protection so far this season and makes it a little bit more challenging. A guy like, I think they call him Sexy Dexy, a guy like him makes it a little bit more challenging to do what you did against the Carolina Panthers and punch them in the throat in the run game. But Derek Brown for the Carolina Panthers wasn't supposed to make it easy either. And the Saints found a way to beat that. So we'll see how the New Orleans Saints are able to be able to, are, are, are looking to be able to go out there and maybe establish early tone against this New York Giants team, but that's going to be big. The Saints didn't score their first opening drive touchdown last season until about this area of the season. Here would be a really good opportunity for the New Orleans Saints to follow up and do that again here in 2023, because you're going to want to set the tone early. And if you can get the quarterback, just like you did against Bryce Young, into situations where he's either got to fling it or panic, then you can take advantage of that. So this is where the Saints secondary is going to be have to come up big again in the in the passing game. Because then if they're running and all these other things, fine, they can have 200 rushing yards, all other stuff. But if you can keep them out of the end zone through the air, it helps you big time as long as you're finding the end zone on the offensive side. So I'm not saying that this game is all signed, sealed, delivered, said and done for the New Orleans Saints at all. But I am saying this is not going to be easy. And Tommy DeVito is going to be a problem for the New Orleans Saints. To me, there's no doubt about that. For more on how the New Orleans Saints can limit Tommy DeVito, Darren Waller, Jalen Hyatt, Saquon Barkley, and the rest of the New York Giants offense, 
That's what we're going to dive into a little bit more tomorrow. We're going to start to dig into the scheme a little bit of the New York Giants. What do they do? What do they like to do? Where are they comfortable? And how can the Saints make them uncomfortable in the process? So we're going to focus on that tomorrow for Wednesday, as well as, of course, we've got Thursday, our crossover Thursday. Patricia Trano of Locked on Giants, who is incredible, is going to come through. We're going to break this game all down. And then Friday, the game plan, looking at the schematics versus the schematics to get everything ready. And as long as my back continues to hold up, in case you missed it on Saturday, uh, to make sure that you're all caught up with everything you need to know before Sunday's game. I appreciate you so much, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust who that nation, I'll holla at you.